0: And how you knitted us and created us together as a community of faith. And so speak to these words that talk about being needy and why it's important to be needy. That's a hard thing for us many times. And so as we gather here this morning, speak to us about the place of most need in our hearts. Inspire us, challenge us, convict us, and guide us. In Jesus Christ's name we ask these things and the people of God said together, Amen. So let's use our imagination for a moment. Let's create a fictitious neediness survey. So what I want you to do is I want you to be able to vote on these things, and what I want you to do is vote with a, like a five, one to a five. So one is you don't agree with the statement, or five is you most agree with it, or three means you're in the middle. Never score a three on things; it always will mess up any test you take. However, if that's where you're at. That's where you're at. One through five. Okay, listen to these statements. Adults don't like to ask for help. Put up a number of fingers. You think that is number of fingers? you Think that is everybody? Everybody has an arm. Unless you lost your arm, which I would be feeling very, very bad about, you've got something to use. Adults are uncomfortable with being vulnerable to others. Adults need others to thrive. And last, adults like to think they can provide for themselves without the help of others. (laughs) It's hard. We don't like to be needy. We don't even like that word. It seems like it's a negative word to us, to to need someone else, to need something, to not be self-sufficient. But being needy is what we're talking about today. But first, sometimes we have the difficulty recognizing our spiritual gifts. Don't even know where to begin. And if you didn't listen to the sermon last week and you weren't here, then it's probably all new to you. So I can't really go back and redo all that, but I would love for you to go back and watch that sermon so you know about spiritual gifts, because you probably missed one of the biggest sermons that we needed to hear this year. But we waste waste years thinking we're not chosen to receive gifts. Or we are not spiritual enough. Or some other idea that is an error. And last week I said at least that everyone has at least one spiritual gift. If you've been baptized, become a member of the church, had that moment and experience, you received at least one spiritual gift in that moment of receiving the Holy Spirit. If not more. And one of the problems we have with identifying our gifts is that we are impatient people. We want to find out instantly what our spiritual gift is, or gifts. But with the things of God, usually, things don't happen like that, like pushing a button or sending an email. It doesn't work like that. Yesterday at our vision day, everyone did one or more of the spiritual gift surveys that I shared earlier this week. You all received them as well. I attached them as a part of those those initial things. And here we had an insert last Sunday, These are all things that we can use as tools and they're not going to fully tell us our spiritual gifts, but it might help us a lot. I said it's just a way of getting your toe wet before jumping in the pool. You've got to start somewhere. You can't just stare at it. So if you really want to find out what your spiritual gifts are, how can we do that? Well, here are some practical steps beyond just taking a survey or a test. So that's the first one. Taking a spiritual gifts inventory, like the one I sent out to you. Most of you saw, we took two or three of them together, that it kind of lined up. You kind of saw some correlation between those things. They can be helpful in pointing out, and pointing us in the right direction, even if they don't lead us directly to our gifts. How else can we find them? Prayer and study. Imagine that. The more that we study the Word, the more that we pray, the more that God will speak to us. God will lead you to identification of your gifts if you allow God to guide you and direct you through the searching of the Scriptures and prayers, especially reading those ones that are focused on spiritual gifts. Go back and read all those Scriptures that I listed. Expose yourself to different ministries until you try something else. You're not going to know whether you're really that's where you're supposed to be or not. Most of us think that when we volunteer to do something, we're signing a lifetime contract. Amen. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes we're afraid we will be stuck for years in something we hate to do. But we're committed to becoming a congregation that doesn't just fill slots of willing bodies. We're actually looking at all those things. We're striving to understand and use the spiritual gifts of people so that we are able to do the ministry of the church with those who love to do that ministry. Don't be on something or do something that you hate. You'll be of no benefit to us and it'll suck the life out of your soul. There's no job here that's that important, no ministry here that's that important, that it requires you to do it if you don't aren't in love with it. If you're not gifted to do it, we don't want you doing it. Which is especially why we need you to let, you, let us know what your spiritual gifts are. I've asked everybody, and we'll continue to ask, and Shelly's going to ask everybody she talks to, and I'm going to walk down the hallways, and I might ask you your spiritual gifts when I see you, because I want to begin to figure those things out more and more. We have a spreadsheet and all those things. So when we sit around and lay leadership and, and are able to plan out the ministry and the leadership of the church, we can look at it and go, you know what? James, what are your spiritual gifts? So I'm going to look at that and go, James, discernment, giving, serving. Is this where James needs to fit? Everybody else can go, well, you know what? I see those gifts in him and I see this, this position. I think maybe, yeah, that's a good idea. Or it's like, absolutely not. doesn't make any sense. It's going to burn them out. You see what I'm saying? But until we know that, you know, you don't have a sign wrapped around your head that says this to me when you walk around, so we have to have you send that stuff to us and then be able to take it all together so we can have more information to make better decisions. Sometimes folks will say, bloom where you are planted no matter but how hard we no matter how hard we try to bloom, we're not blooming. We're not in a place where we feel like that we are doing being fruitful. So once identified, maybe your gift may flourish, but use a different way. By the way, the scripture says that I will not leave you orphaned or abandoned, but these flowers have been orphaned and abandoned. Please take one of them home. Are you still watering them, Jerry? What a spiritual gift. Thank you, my friend. I wonder why they're still so good. Thank you. (laughs) You may try to bloom in a ministry that's not a right fit for you. It doesn't matter whether, if I take this outside right now, and on our Monday night when it gets super cold, take it outside and say, you know what, poinsettia, just hang out here in the cold all night. You're going to be awesome. In the morning, it is not going to look like this. Everybody has the right place to bloom, the right soil, the right needs. How else can you do it? See how others are affirming you. How are they affirming you? If you were to ask others to name three of your strengths or gifts, what would they say? Sometimes people are much better at looking at our gifts than we are and seeing the things that we don't see. People will say, you would be good at blank. God uses others to affirm our gifts in the same way. In what areas do the affirmation of people seem to cluster? My friend Debbie reaches out to people with her heart and her gifts of compassion and mercy. Does anybody think that Debbie doesn't have the gifts of compassion and mercy? You see them. Gifts are seen. They are used in the community. That's the point. What you see in other people, you need to tell them. So they understand, I see these gifts in you. God may speak to you. When I heard some of the gifts mentioned yesterday and shared with me, it was very interesting. Some were easily identified, my friend Debbie. Other ones, I'm like, I didn't know that about you. I hadn't really discerned that about your gifts or what you may be leaning towards. It's very interesting. I think many of us are not aware of our gifts. We don't know what it is we actually bring to the table. Even, and even though we see them from the outside from other people. What do our friends and family see in us? But sometimes finding our spiritual gift isn't enough. We find out what they are, and then we simply never start serving with them. So the question becomes, how do we use them once we have found them? One way to do that is to find your shape. What kind of shape are you in? Now, that's a loaded question. I don't want to know about your physical shape. Most of us all need about 10 resolutions to get that where it needs to be this year. Hopefully, we're working on those in our small groups and our accountable practices because you need that. You need accountability. and You need somebody to hold you accountable. But the shape I'm talking about is your shape for Service. SHAPE is an acronym standing for this spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, and experience. It's been around for quite a while. Our spiritual gifts are shaped by other things that actually affect how we use that spiritual gift. Taking that raw spiritual gift and then how it, it forms around these other things is important. That's why it's hard to understand why we scored a certain way when it seems maybe like we don't have that gift. Or doesn't seem to come out that same way the gift defines itself. Maybe we think that the results must be wrong. Well, maybe it's not wrong, but maybe it doesn't flesh out how the gift manifests itself in the practice of your life, because you're individual, you're unique. We are shaped to serve in a way that is natural and easy, but finding out our spiritual gift is not where we stop. These other things can help us refine our understanding of that spiritual gift in our lives. And so the second letter is in the shape is H for heart. Say heart. 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 It's like a little pirate kind of thing, isn't it? Heart. Well, listening to our emotions and feelings can get us into trouble, that is true, to ignore them would be a tragedy too. They have to go hand in hand, the head and the Heart. And just like God's given each of us a unique fingerprint, we all have a unique fingerprint. You think about that? Every single one of us. Completely different. That's pretty amazing. It's the same way that, that God has given us a personal, unique, emotional heartbeat that races when we think of certain subjects or activities that interest us, the things that, that really fire us up. You ever listen to somebody talk about their mission or their, their ministry or their, their vision and plans for something big and your heart begins to race, you begin to personally connect with what they're saying and you can see it, you can feel it. It's the thing that you know that you are made for. It's like, I need to be part of that. I need to be a part of that ministry or that dream. I mean, that could be things that we do every week like Room at the Inn. It could be Feed the Need. It could be Helping Serve Kids. It can be whatever. It can be Bible study. It can be whatever it is that emotionally fills you. It's that that question that you asked is that if I had all the money in the world or at least everything's taken care of, what would I go do? If everything was taken off the table, what would I go do? What do I most want to do in my entire life that I never get a chance or never will get a chance or whatever To do. That's your heart. Listen for those inner promptings can point to the ministry God intends for you to have. When we listen to our heart, we become passionate about the work that we're doing. Because we're doing things that come out of our heart. And that's where passion comes, not from our head. See? We can do things a long time in our head and never touch our heart. Because we're supposed to do them. Or I've always done them. Or this is what I do. That's a head thing, not a heart thing. Heart thing is, I love to do this. I want to be a part of this. I feel led to be with this. The third letter is A for your abilities. Say abilities. These are the things that are the natural talents you're born with, be it conversation, athletics, mechanics, sports, carpentry, math. That's that craftsmanship gift I think we're talking about. somewhere stuck in there. A couple of folks in here like Mark and Davis have craftsmanship. Debbie too. I never even heard of craftsmanship as a gift. I'm going to do a little more research on that. So uh, They're important and useful to God. It's also where our strengths come into play. These natural things enhance our abilities and they allow us to specialize within our particular spiritual gifts. You see? Many of us as pastors took it several years ago. It was a big deal. It was called Ministry by Strengths. Now, the strengths material is identifying top five strengths in ministry, but also in life. And this is what it is. It's called strengths Finder. If you really want to know your strengths, the strengths material is great for that. By Gallup and Tom Rath and Don Clifton, all these people. You go type in strengths finder and you'll, you'll find plenty. I've included in the app today an actual free strengths finder that does a really good job um, that you can look at and take. But mine are, in no particular order, though this is not the order, is individualization, which is others observing others' strengths, drawing out the best in each person. You see me try to do it all the time. I want, I want you to do what you're gifted to do. My frustration is when I can't get you to tell me enough so I can be able to help you to find your place, and you just languish, and you spin, and you suffer And you just walk around aimlessly. It's the worst for me. Learner, analyzer, and connectedness. That we're all part of something larger that all connects with some kind of purpose. That's always what I'm looking at to see how things all connect together. It's the the beautiful mind kind of thing. I'm, I'm sorry that he was crazy, I'm not crazy. They don't light up like that, but they do light up like that. They light up like this connects to this, and this connects to this, and they put together like this. That's the connectedness. And the last one's achiever. I want to achieve something. I want us to do our best. I want us to be our best selves and our best church. I don't want to settle for second. I don't want to settle for things. I'm also, but, I'm, but I'm also not competitive. I'm not competitive with somebody down the street. I'm competitive with us. We should give our best in all that we do to God at every level. We give our best at other places like our job and things like that. Why don't we give our best to God and to the church and to each other? That's the place where we should spend our abilities and our time and our energy and everything else in all those circles. Individually, collectively. Does that sound like me? You know, so I don't, you know, that was helpful for me over the years to, to focus on my strengths, not my weaknesses. See, we always focus on our weaknesses in life. If you get an F in school, we're going to focus on the F, not getting the A to be better or the B to improve. It's the F. And you know what? I flunked out of trigonometry enough in high school and couldn't get past basic and fast algebra that I knew I wasn't going to be stellar in those things. And the more that I worked hard in those things, you know how much better I got? Just about zero. And I spent all my time and energy downing myself because I wasn't good in these areas. Instead of celebrating the other areas like English, social studies, criminal justice, sociology, psychology, which I excelled in. You see what I'm saying? Strengths are important. The fourth letter is P for personality. Say personality. Personality. Look around. Your God loves variety. We are all different. Some are loud. Some are quiet. Some are emotional. Some are logical. Some are thinkers. Some are feelers. Some of you love change while others love consistency. The Bible is full of different people with different temperaments, which drives home the point there is no right or wrong temperament. We need all kinds of personalities, all kinds of flavors to balance the church We seem to value uniformity the most, though. That we've all got to be the same. We've all got to believe the same things and do the same things, and we can only be inside this box. And if you're outside this box, you are not with me. That's not what Jesus said. We like to put boxes around everybody and everything. But that's not how it works in the kingdom. We don't want you to think too differently. We don't want your opinions to vary from mine or I'm going to blast you on social media or on a text or from every level. You can no longer be with me. You are my enemy. That's not what Jesus said. Whether you couch it in political or sociological terms or anything else, it's not right. Don't defend it. The world can do it, but Christians shouldn't be a part of it. Everyone has a place at the table, no matter where they might land, whether you agree with them or not. Because in God's kingdom, everyone is valued. Their opinion matters, no matter how radically different it might be from my own. It's because of our personality that we're going to serve differently automatically. If two of you have the gift for evangelism and one of you is shy and you can still have the gift of evangelism and the other one is outspoken, the expression of the gift is going to be very different. There's no certain set of makeup for what a gift looks like and how it's used. They're doing the same exact ministry using the same exact gift but each one does it differently based on what their personality is. People think that I'm an extrovert but I am not. If you sit with me long enough, you learn that real quick. Right, Susan? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I am an extrovert in my job and in the ministry that God has called me to because that's what I have to do. And then when you tell me you want to go out afterwards and go hang out, and I say, you know what, I'm going home to take a nap. <laughs> if you get me to come out with you, then you're doing good. I think we're going Jumbo and Delicious today because it's brand new. And we're opening. We're going to go to it. Then I'm going to collapse after that. It takes everything out of me. Go to those parties with people I don't know. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to go sit on the wall. But if I'm there because I'm the pastor, then I'm going to meet everybody I possibly can. It's like stained glass. Our different personalities reflect God's light. Many colors, many patterns. You've been in places where the stained glass is just marvelous and there's light streaming through it, and every piece and every facet is different. And if they're all the same color, it doesn't look naturally as good. Our glass is okay, but our glass doesn't look like the National Cathedral. You know? Beautiful, but it's a picture as opposed to a mosaic. That's how our lives are. The personality reflects God's light in many colors and patterns. It blesses the family of God with depth and variety. It also blesses us personally because it allows us to personally use the gift that God gives us. The last letter is E for experiences. Say experiences. In determining your shape, you should examine six kinds of experiences from your past. These are all listed in the app. Your family. What did you learn growing up? Good and bad. Your education, what were your favorite subjects in school? Your vocation, what jobs have been the most effective, been most effective at and have you enjoyed the most? Spiritual. What have been your most meaningful times with God? Ministry. How have you served God in the past? What did you learn from that? What do you like about it? What don't you like? What would you change? And last, even your painful experiences. Yes, your painful ones. What problems, hurts, thorns, and trials have you learned from that you could use to help someone else? It's my belief that Jesus Christ is at his strongest when we are at our weakest. It's the foot of the cross that transforms people, not the brightness of the transformation. What scars do you have to walk with somebody else? You should be using those, not hiding them. Shelley was bold yesterday in her presentation to us because she allowed her scars to show. You have scars, we all do. When I got divorced, I had more people coming to me in Brentwood than I'd ever had come before because all of a sudden they saw the realness of my experience and they wanted to come and talk. That's Your experiences of painful things can be used by God in powerful ways. All of this together can help us to further refine our understanding of our place in the body. Where is our place in the body of Christ? Remember what Bruce Bugabee said last week about spiritual gifts. He says they are divine abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and grace for the common good of the what? The body. body. Not for ourselves, but the body. That's where our scripture brings us today. After talking about spiritual gifts. It ends with spiritual gifts as he kind of wraps it up. And by calling us the body of Christ. This past Monday, we celebrated the contributions of Martin Luther King Jr., a pastor and a social activist. This is what he had to say about the interrelatedness of our spiritual gifts. He says this, he says, In a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men and women are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. They're tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. And then he says this I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. To be part of an inescapable network. Does that describe our church. Is that how we think about our gifts, working together, that it's not really my gift, but it's your gift? I want to make sure that I use it so you can be able to fully know God's presence? Or does our church and its disciples operate more independently of one another? I got my gift, you got yours. I'll let you borrow it for a little bit, but it's mine. Verse 12, he says, All the members of the body, though many, are one. In the body of Christ, all of us and our God-given gifts are indeed interrelated. We cannot succeed in our mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world until working together, until we're truly valuing and depending upon the gifts that we bring to the table, that we bring to the body as a whole. Amen? He goes on and says, The body, in verse 14, does not consist of one member but of many. And continues, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong. That's not true. not any less part of a body. Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong. That's not true. You're not any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Every part of the body is unique and created differently. In this mission, there's no room for ego that I've got a better gift than you do, or belittling, or looking down upon the gifts of others. When we're all working together to make and grow disciples, there is no task that is less important than any other task. But the parts of the body from this passage. Whether you're a nursery worker or a Sunday school class teacher, or you, you go through before service un you know Nobody knows you're cleaning the pews and cleaning up and doing things behind the scenes or you're out way out in front as one of the chief leaders of Staff Parish or Finance or Trustees or you serve on those groups or you just come back through and you take the trash out every day because nobody gets paid to do that around here. I hope you know that. The trash you leave laying around is picked up by one of you. So you leave things laying around everywhere. They go through and they clean it all up for you. There are so many things that happen in the body of Christ, of just like Jerry water in the plants that I had no idea. I didn't tell him to water the plants. He waters other plants too, but just, he just happens to have this just this happens. That this is his list. You don't know all these things. You don't even know all these things. But there's so many tasks that are behind the scenes as well as in front of the scenes. From things that happen in worship, they don't magically come up here and just put it all together. It takes planning. It takes work. It Takes dedication. They come every Thursday. Of their life, just about, to come and get ready for you on Sunday morning and for God. That's how gifts work, when we're using them fully. Verse 18, he says, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I mean, your body's pretty much arranged the way it's supposed to be. You're not Picasso painting. You know, you don't have one eye like this and your head's like over here and that sort of thing. It, it all seems to be symmetrical. It all seems to work. You know, if you ever get injured doing something, you realize that every part's important. You lose your pinky, you can't pick things up anymore the same way. If it's injured, if you lose your knee, you ain't walking. Many of you know that feeling. Their internal part's the same way. All those parts work together or are knit together in that way. Sometimes, though, it's easy, easy for us to say we're not gifted, and that person is. Well, they have more gifts than I do. Or to say, wow, I really wish I had their gift. You ever said that? You know, oh, gosh, I wish, I wish I was more like that person and their spiritual gifts. My chief gifts are administration and leadership. Teaching, pastor-shepherd, and after that, exhortation, encouragement. When things don't go right, my spiritual gifts naturally kick in. We got behind for an hour yesterday. I'm sitting there just trying to figure out how to catch this up and how to get through this. And like, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. It's not okay. We need to get this thing figured out, and let's get to where we need to go. Yeah. I don't have the gift of faith. I do not. And everybody goes, oh, you're a pastor with the gift of faith? Do you really think that every pastor in the world has the spiritual gift of faith? Just like every pastor in the world does not have the gift of administration or leadership, plenty of my friends do not have those gifts. I look at other pastors. And I wish I could be like them. Like you know, wow, if I could just preach like Adam Hamilton. Wouldn't that be amazing? We always want somebody else's gift. And the funny part is usually those folks are looking at you wishing they could be more like you. Now I wish I had more gifts like you had. What? Why do you want these gifts? They're worthless. Most of my friends come to me to ask for advice about administration and leadership. How do you form the trustees? How does this work? Where is this going? How do you have your church council formed? One well, of my friends just called me this past week and said, what are you doing with all your structure? And I go to them for advice the same way. And the thing's like, you know, how should I approach this? I'm not an emotional person. What am I missing here? It works the same way. We rely on gifts. We don't have to compete with them. And he goes on, if all were single member, where would the body be? The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. When I slammed it in the car door two weeks ago and I couldn't use it anymore, it was real hard. it's real hard to type like without this too. And you can't touch it and you're trying to do this number. This is real hard to keep all these fingers and then do this. Try it. You can't do it. You need all these things. Even if you break your little toe, you can tie it together with the other toe, but it still is a problem. Everybody's done that, haven't they? That hurts. Oh, that hurts. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with even greater respect. God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member. So those with the least gifts, perhaps a number or whatever else, those are the ones we should raise up. That gift's really important. Now you're the body of Christ and each one is a unique part of it. Use your gifts. Don't look to someone else. Yours may be even more important than theirs for the work that's being done. And this is the last thing I want us to hear most of all was this in verse 26. It says, catch this. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If you want an individual game, you're in the wrong place. The individual game is out there. When somebody suffers here, no matter who it is, whether you agree with them or not, or whether they're sitting on the other side, you have no idea who they are, we all suffer. We all suffer. We all need to be willing to reach out to someone and be able to help them through whatever they're going through. To stand and rally around them. Not go, gosh, you know, your life really is in the pits. I'm so glad my life is going so well. It should hurt us when somebody hurts. It should break us when somebody is broken. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. It works the same way. When somebody celebrates, when Graylin tells me about her classroom, they need to be like, "Oh, that's so nice, Graylin. I'm so glad for you. I'm like, wow! That is amazing. Look at the work she's doing. She's just starting out. She's excited. She's just gotten out of college. She's ready to go, and she's making a difference already. I can learn from that. I can celebrate that. I can rejoice that her life is where she wants it to be the same way. When someone says to you that their cancer is gone, it's not. It is, wow, God is great. God is good. That's the body of Christ. I'm not sitting around to hear a sermon or coming to worship and being individual in our pews and everything else. The body of Christ weeps together and the body of Christ celebrates together. That's what he's saying. And so when it comes recognizing the, international, the interrelated nature of our gifts, we come to find our own vulnerability, our own dependence. We must declare that it's okay to need someone else. That it's okay that I don't have it all together, and I haven't got it all figured out, and I'm going through a rough time in my life, and I need you to be with me and to walk with me during that time. Not, I come in on Sunday morning and I'm like, well, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. My marriage is falling apart, but I am awesome. i got a drinking problem, but I am awesome. I'm a workaholic, but I am awesome. If you can't be real with the people you're sitting next to in this place, then there really isn't a place where you can be real. The three to four groups we're talking about were three to four gathered together. The ten to twelve is a small group. that's not your Sunday school class. It's not your Bible study. That is the hallmark of what it means to be united Methodists. That they would gather together and they were real with one another. Not just bumping into the facade of a Sunday morning Facebook post. You ever learned about that? Like you learned somebody got divorced the year before and you had no idea they went through it and you looked at Facebook every day and saw all their stuff. You know why? Because we don't really put that kind of stuff out there on Facebook that you know life stinks this week. So God has gifted you in ways that God's not gifted me. This quote we used from last week from Rick Warren, viewers flash in the part in a second, Davis. I need you to show up, share your gift. I don't have some of those gifts. You don't have them on my gifts. We need them together to be in the same place. Like tonight for the serve meeting is not about whether you like to serve people or not. You may have some really great idea that God's put on your heart we need to bring to the table so we can hear it. It's that kind of thing. Because without your gifts, this body will not function the way it was meant to function. Isn't it the ultimate goal? To function the way God intends? To fulfill the call on our lives to be who God created us to be in the context of this community? The answer is, of course, but there's one more piece of this Greater Gifts sermon series, the Greater Things, that we're going to tackle next week, which ties it all together for Paul and for us. And honestly, if you feel like you do not have a spiritual gift, come talk to me. Let me use my gifts to help you to figure out whatever it is that you're going through, or at least be there to walk with you during it. When people do that, it's an amazing thing. I met with somebody and went out and we talked and had lunch. It was so great just to be able to help put those thoughts together. Connectedness, remember? You talk to me, I connect everything you say. You begin to figure it out and God pours into all of it and it makes it all this holy moment of transformation. I guarantee you, you do have a gift and we can find what it is. It is what I was designed to do. It's what you're designed to do. How are you going to live that out? And so I close off with a quote that we had last week that maybe you didn't see. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because the world needs, what the world needs is people who have come alive. That's what the world needs. People who have come alive. Not any particular thing. So you may be wondering why Jenga is up here. Oh, by the way, it's not even called Jenga. I love this. This is from the youth. It's called the Rainbow Jumbling Tower. <laughs> it's like our spiritual gifts. You ever played jenga? You know, the, the whole idea is to pull things out of it without having it fall to the ground. Kevin Beams is a master, one of the masters of this. He, uh, the big one outside, he did pretty well on that. You pull these things out, and you hope it doesn't fall, right? The more you pull them out, the worse it gets. Well, it's easy to take one off the top and go, you know, wow, that that works really well. That's not how it works, is it? You have to try and get one out from the side. Sometimes that's really easy, right? Sometimes it gets a lot harder depending on where you're pulling from and how you can't touch anything else and you've got to kind of ease it out. And, of course, these are glossy, which makes it even worse, right? That one's not even touching anything else, apparently. So, pretty easily you can do all that. You start pulling some of these base ones out or pulling certain ones out, and you're going to find out pretty soon what's going to happen to it. Which I'm not going to do because it'll probably catch fire and then burn the whole place down. Yeah, Tucker is not too good on that part. Not one of my spiritual gifts, is it? The point is, this is like our spiritual gifts. When you start pulling out your spiritual gift out of the pile, the place becomes weaker, the community becomes weaker. And eventually, you pull enough of them out, what's going to happen? going to collapse. Every piece in here is important for a different reason, isn't it? To keep this structure together. That's our spiritual gifts, my friends. That's the community we build together. It can only go so high without losing its structure, too. It has to maintain its integrity in here, because you can't build on top of it when you're undermining the integrity below it. Let your spiritual gifts be used by God for the community. Amen. Jesus gathered together the men around his table who were so varied and so different, you wondered why he did it. Maybe he wondered some days, too, like, why did I choose these people? I think some days for us, he goes, why did I choose these people? They are stiff-necked and hard-hearted. And yet, he still said to them and to us, I love you. I will give my life for you. There is no greater gift I can give than that. And then this supper, I mean, they're still walking around the table going, I love it because what they say is so great because you don't really catch it, which is, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Which means what they're saying is, it could be me. If everybody said, no, it's not me, that would be totally different. But everybody says, is it me? Am I the one that failed him? Am I the one that didn't do the right thing? Did I betray him? Because they all knew it could easily have been them. So we throw Judas under the bus. But we're all on that same bus. And still, he let Judas take that bread, dip it into a cup, into the bowl, which was a symbol of being friends. Before, he went to go do what he did. He never abandoned Judas. Judas abandoned him. He was ready to help him all the way. Let Jesus help you to be who you were called to be. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much. As you, you who invites to this table this morning. All are free to come, no matter what they might believe, as long as their heart is with you and they want to live a different life. We thank you for this means of grace and the chance we have to receive it. So let us come forward and allow our lives to be fully used by you, to celebrate and honor and know and use our spiritual gifts to allow us to be the community and the body of Christ doing your work and your ministry and loving each other and loving the world. Bless these elements now as we receive them. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. And the people of God said together, Amen. Invite those coming forward to serve. His peace and His power, His love and forgiveness, know these greater things from Him. our hearts for the thing that break yours allow us to use the gifts that you've given us to discover them or rediscover them and to fully use them for your people help us to shine wherever we go so they may not see us but they will see you and that what we do makes a difference for you in everything that we say everything that we do because we are using the gifts that you gave to us let us weep with one another Let us celebrate with one another. Let us be the community of God, both here in this place and out in the world. Amen.